Dispatch. Packets of fire all around. Dear Chief, much has happened since we last spoke. Welcome to Dear Chief Podcast, where your hosts and their guests share the 411 of being married to the people who respond to 911s. Take a peek into fire family life and get unabashed advice on how to prevent forest fires in your marriage. Now, here's your hosts, two seasoned firewives, Audra and Chelsea. Welcome back to Dear Chief's Podcast. We are joined by our return guest, Ashley Iverson, the widow of Corey Iverson and mother of two incredible little ones and her significant other, Phil. Ashley is the founder of Iverson Foundation for Active Awareness, which was created in honor of Corey's legacy. Phil is a local 2881 firefighter. We will be talking to Ashley and Phil about their journey as a couple, Ashley's work with the Iverson Foundation, Phil's experience as a firefighter and the importance of mental and emotional health for firefighters and their families. This is a powerful and important conversation and we are grateful to Ashley and Phil for sharing their story with us. Hi guys. Thanks for having us. Again, I think this is Ashley's third time with us. Fourth time. Yeah. So three times solo, the fourth time was the panel, the mental health panel. Yeah. 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 If you haven't heard (laughs) those episodes, go back and listen to them because they're awesome. So we want to get started with just hearing a little bit more about each of you individually. So Ashley, start us off because you've done this before. Hey guys, thank you for having me again. It's great to see you and hear your voices. Thank you to those who have listened to previous episodes. For those of you that have not listened, my late husband was Corey Iverson, killed fighting the Thomas Fire in December of 2017. And since then, I have experienced five and a half years of widowhood. It's it's a wicked experience that I wouldn't wish on anyone. However, it's like the greatest polarity of life of just as dark as it gets, but it's it's also provided me with the most profound light and wonderful experiences that I could have ever imagined. And I'm grateful. I'm grateful for all of it. I I really hope I don't have to do it again. But um yeah, it's strange to say, but I wouldn't change it and this beautiful person that's sitting beside me uh, has made life a whole lot better for myself and the girls. And it's really special. It's not my first choice of uh, profession to fall in love with again, but you know, <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. So, so I'll let you chit chat a little bit about yourself. Oh, my favorite thing talking about myself. Um, thank for the opportunity to come on and, and, um, speak with you tonight phil um, i'm a fire captain with cal fire and i'm here tonight because like ashley i've experienced some of the most darkest times in my life that have ultimately brought me to you know my reality today of just pure and utter gratitude for where i'm at and uh, a new perspective on life and uh, you know just grateful to be here share a little bit about my story and uh hope to uh yeah share a a story of hope and to those who you know are going through or have experienced similar things that i've gone through in a nutshell i'm sure more will come out but 
Okay, so let's start from the, the beginning of Ashley and Phil. How'd you guys meet? <laughs> so eight years ago, ironically, Corey and Phil, their paths crossed on the job for about three months, right? Ish. Um, and so it's it's really special for me. The fact that Phil knows Corey gives a massive amount of peace and just just him actually knowing Corey, there's another level of respect and honor that he comes with and wants to show up with for myself and the girls, which is really special. We were brought together by one of their captains, befriended me after Corey passed. And three years ago, I met up with them. Uh, the, the group of them were down here at a convention. And I met up for dinner with them. And that night, I definitely noticed Phil, but it was kind of like, I don't, did we even have much context? Oh, uh, we did converse briefly, but it was more, it was such a large group of people. There wasn't any real yeah. substance to what we had. I don't really, I don't remember really having a conversation. I just remember like feeling his energy, but there was also something that was very significant. And I knew that I didn't have any business knowing him at that point in time. I don't know. It was something where it was just like, okay, out of sight, out of mind, this beautiful man, and I have to go by, run, you know. And uh, I, a year ago, I met up with the same group, and he happened to be with them again. And we were walking from lunch back to uh, the convention center, and I noticed the good looking one had dropped off, not knowing that he was the same one from three years ago. And when he caught back up, I could see a level of distress on his face. And I just, I pulled him aside and I asked him if he was all right. And he was sharing with me that he had a daughter and she really struggled with him not being home. She was young at the time she was three. Um, and, and we ended up just having a, a heart to heart on how challenging that is for everyone at hand, not just his daughter, but him uh, witnessing and experiencing her struggling without understanding why he's not home so much. And we exchanged numbers, but there was only like two or three texts over the next year, just a, a basically like a check-in, um, just to see how he was doing. And and then I invited him to come to Corey's memorial in December last year and, 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 you know, just a memorial get together for his anniversary. And he was not available and he doesn't live in San Diego. And so he was like, I'm trying to get back down to San Diego if you'd like to get coffee or something. And, and it wasn't until January that he sent me just a picture of just his chest wearing one of Corey's memorial shirts. And I'm like, hmm, not mad about that. Uh, and it was interesting because the, the times that we had conversed before, like there was an attraction, but it, was, it wasn't like anything I've ever experienced where if I'm attracted to someone, they, they're going to know it and I'm going to try to explore it there was a level of like respect i guess on both ends where there was there was no agenda i guess was is the best way to put it and we just started building a really solid friendship and it just it grew from there very quickly very 
it was very organic. And what really showed me that he was serious about getting to know me and getting to know the girls and actually wanting to be a part of our life. Two weeks after we were talking, I had a doctor's appointment because I was about a year deep into a pretty serious potential health diagnosis. And he took off work, flew down to San Diego just to take me to the doctor's appointment and flew home that day. And it was like a whole nother level of anything that anyone has ever done for me to show up. And that meet and greet at the airport was like, like a the notebook. It was awesome. I actually almost got a parking ticket because we left the car lot too long. And I'm like, that's fine. Just give me the ticket. I don't care if it's $500. Just give it to me. He's like, no, I don't want to. And I'm like, oh, yeah, just give it to me. It's fine. I love this man. <laughs> so there's a nutshell. Okay. That's a good nutshell. <laughs> I love it. So you both have some stuff you want to discuss today. And we really just want you to kind of roll into it and we'll stop you and ask you questions along the way. So whichever one wants to start, go ahead. I feel like Phil, I want, I want you to be able to share what you want to be able to share. Sure. You know, I too, I think where I'm at today in my life and just having been afforded the opportunity to even be here in the presence of this woman is solely because of you know our paths and our what we've gone through the level of trauma with the loss of Tori and this woman and um hearing her her story and share her perception on everything and the growth that she as an individual experienced and in light of of that has always been something that was attract like not even attractive just awe-inspiring to me honestly and so when we talk of like our relationship and how it started it's just a sincere respect for this woman and uh, i'm able to do that today um, because the trauma i went through you know i've battled alcoholism have experienced a level of loss you know not like she's experienced but very similar you know and in my alcoholism and battling that addiction was the most darkest and alone i have ever been in my life coming through that and being here today to share that story you know like i said very different paths to get where we are um, as individuals but a very mutual respect and understanding of what we both have gone through i guess I don't know, alcoholism i guess that's my real purpose of being here today i guess i should start it off that i joined the fire service probably already being an alcoholic you know and uh being exposed to what we see in this job the level of stress just being a firefighter the hours away from home all of it you know only contributed to my alcoholic tendencies and fueled my just fueled fueled my alcoholism looking back at it now i'm almost two and a half years sober i'm able to see how it progressed it was very subtle you know so i just want to say like you know, I know for me, then this is just my story. You know, it's, uh, I was, I was messed up mentally, you know, before coming to this job. So alcohol was the only real solution I ever had in coping, you know, and it worked very well for a while for me until it didn't. Alcohol allowed me to not deal with reality. It allowed me to escape. It allowed me to just not feel 
you know. And so, like I said, for a very long time, it was very successful. I think a real turning point in kind of preparing for this talk, you know, I put a lot of thinking into, you know, when I truly crossed the line in my, you know, functionality. I was a functional alcohol for a very long time. I achieved a lot of success professionally, personally, you know, I accumulated a lot of things. This job, I want to say, like, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to do what I get to do for the department that I work for. I love my job. I love the opportunity, you know, and it, it still to this day affords me a chance to provide in a way that I never really imagined. But, you know, the turning point for me was, I guess, what you wanted to bring up right now mm-hmm. as far as connection for. Yeah. So there's a really significant, um, interesting part of us knowing each other and our stories. Uh, I started dating Corey when the Yarnell fire happened and the Granite Mountain hotshot burnover transpired. And it was the first like real jilting in reality of what can happen in this industry. And it's, it's one of those instances where I remember exactly where I was. I remember how it made me feel. And when I was notified about Corey, the first thing that I asked because of the Granite Mountain Hotshot crew, I asked who else was hurt in hopes that no one else was experiencing what I was experiencing. And ironically, Phil was a hotshot at the time and was en route to go fight the Arnell fire when that burnover happened. And because of that, he was reassigned to put on all the funerals. And from that, he he decided to become an honor guard. And through my experience, the honor guard has just another level of, of honor and respect, obviously, and honor and respect from me, too. Um, so to have a partnership with someone that so intimately understands what I experienced um, and has it within himself to to give back in that capacity is just a whole nother level of gratitude for him. But for him, I'll let him explain that that too, obviously, was very impactful. Yeah, for sure. And that's, like I said, probably one of the greatest um, satisfactions I have in this job and this career is then that opportunity to serve the families who have lost loved ones in this profession and to honor our brothers and sisters who pay the ultimate sacrifice. And that was incredibly impactful for me. And like I said, I can kind of attribute that time in my career to, uh, you know, some justifications and a lot of my behaviors for, you know, we were there, like that was probably by far one of the hardest things I've ever experienced in this profession. Like not only, like I said, just being a sign of the fire, being told we helped set up the memorial that the vice president ended up coming to. We attended three different funerals. You know, we carried a casket of one of the individuals. And there was just so much going on. I remember after the third funeral, I told my hotshot superintendent, it's like, if we're going to another, I'm done. I'm sitting in the buggy. I cannot attend another funeral. You know, and was just mentally done from that. But like I said, that was where I knew that I wanted to do more. And I had an utmost respect for those Honor Guard members that were there present for the family. So I guess just tying back into that time frame, you know, that was a point in my life when I left the Forest Service after that year, came to Cal Fire. And that's when I really started, you know, down this path of overindulgence you know wasn't just an alcohol when i was stuck at work i was a workaholic when i wasn't allowed to drink i could never allow 
myself to have downtime. I couldn't let myself relax. I didn't have fun. You know, it always felt like I had to do something. A lot of that stems from, like I said, my, my childhood. I got a lot of feelings of inadequacy and less than, and, you know, a lot of what I chased and you know, obtaining the success of being a professional fireman. And, you know, the big step in Cal Fire is when you get permanent and you're, you start achieving all these things, it only fueled my ego which uh, come to find out is the root of a lot of the issues that I have. Uh, ego's good, right? To a certain extent, you know, I have, a, like I said, I've, you got to have it, especially in this profession. Otherwise you're going to get bulldozed, you know, for me and in, in taking everything to the extreme and to the excess, it's something that today through a lot of self-exploration, I really have to watch. So that time frame, I don't know, 2013, 14, you get the permanent job. You know, I remember the first year I made, hundred thousand dollars it's like perfect it's awesome but it wasn't enough it's like all right now i need to make 120 that wasn't enough 140 that's not enough and like i said it, i worked i worked you know and in doing that you know at the time i was married we both had kids from previous relationships so you had added stress they were in their teenage years you know but like you get the house you know i bought a seventy-five thousand dollar truck when i got permanent you know or when and i've made it you know when in reality, like I isolated, I was a isolator drunk. I drank by myself, you know, and I justified just in my, how I drank, I didn't consider myself an alcoholic. You know, I, I drank by myself. I only drank beer. I didn't drink till five. You know, I didn't go to the bars. I didn't do a lot of these things that the other people that I judged as alcoholics were less than, I guess, helped me continue my ultimately really shitty behavior. So, and in doing so and being selfish and, and really internalizing the job by then, like I said, the added stress for me, you know, when you promote, you're in charge of three or four individuals on a crew, you know, that's a lot of added stress that for me, putting up this like macho facade of nothing's going to hurt me, nothing, nothing scares me, nothing will bring me down. You know, it didn't, I wasn't allowed or not sure as hell didn't let my colleagues or my subordinates, you know, see that I truly was, you know, at that time, like, honestly, I was inadequate as a company officer, you know, and uh, so, you know, what did I do? I drank and, and uh, fast forward just so it's not just a big junk log, you know, got to the point where I had uh, pushed everybody and my wife in that time, you know, everybody, my friends, my family, everybody that ever meant anything to me away. I treated the people that loved me the most, the worst. I was a shitty husband, a shitty father, a shitty employee, a shitty friend. And, um, and uh, I, I just didn't care. I didn't care about anybody. I only cared about myself and doing what I could to not feel the way I felt about myself. Because like I, I kind of alluded to, I was always felt less than. And I sure as hell wasn't willing to take anybody's help or look internally at myself. You know, I had a lot of anger and a lot of uh, justifications. And, and like I said, I couldn't look at myself for, you know, why do I feel the way I do? I knew I didn't feel good. I knew I didn't like the way I was. I knew I didn't like the person I was becoming. I sure as heck didn't need help or uh, couldn't ask for help, which actually I want to reiterate. And um, this is part of my story and, and incredibly important and impactful in my eventual choice to get get help. There was a time probably 10 or 12 years ago when I was taking a class by a couple individuals that were a part of the employee support services uh, eventually. And um, I remember these men, you know, represented what I respected. You know, they were, you know, hell attack captains. They were strong men. They were, you know, um, 
just that persona of the individual that I wanted to represent working for the fire department. And what struck me the most was that one of them, you know, in a classroom of 30 guys that he doesn't know, showed a level of humility and vulnerability to us in sharing his story and um, his experience with battling his demons and how he had overcome and come through and how he was honestly, I don't remember verbatim, but basically living his best life and asking for help. And he was a huge advocate for the programs available to us. And I remember being so um, mesmerized by an individual. I could never do that. You know, I was ashamed of who I was and I couldn't let anybody know that I was less than, but um, I remember sitting in that class knowing that I was an alcoholic and um, being so unwilling to ask for help. But one of the coolest things like full circle 10 years later is that individual, I'm a year sober and we crossed paths and um, I was able to tell him and thank him for sharing his story because in the 10 years I spent basically killing myself on the inside, spiritually, emotionally, pissing away everything that I had ever cared about. I always remembered his story and I was able to thank him for basically showing me what it meant to be a real man, to own your shit and to, to get outside of yourself and not be so damn selfish, but to truly bring it back to what is important in life. And that's about helping other individuals and um, being a human, right? And uh, forever grateful for that. How did I get to where I am today? Um, like I said, I, without going into great detail, like I said, I, I'm fortunate to be here today. I'm fortunate to, to have my job. I'm fortunate to uh, be a father. I'm fortunate to be um, a friend. I'm fortunate to be um, a son to my mother and my father, a sibling to my brothers and sisters. I very easily could not be here today. I wasn't on a path to really think about suicide or anything like that. I definitely was on a path where I did not care. It got to the point where uh, if I had continued drinking, I have no doubt when my ex-wife called me on my shit finally for being such a shit husband. If I didn't receive that call from her um, that day, I don't know if I'd be alive. Honestly, I was on a point where I don't know if I would have wrapped my car around a tree and killed myself or hurt somebody else. Or, um, you know, I could have lost my job, which would have impacted everybody in my life and uh, i'm just so grateful for the opportunity in that phone call that that day it was a low point for me i definitely it could have been a lot worse for me like i said in a, a multitude of ways but that call somebody finally being honest with me and calling me on my shit was what i needed and um, i took advantage of the programs offered by my department and um, went to rehab and uh, spent a couple weeks in rehab. I <laughs> was only spent, yeah, spent a couple weeks, ended up getting out. And uh, it was honestly, it was such a fog, man. It took, I don't know, months for the alcohol to really get out of my system and for me to even begin to think clearly. But that started me on this journey that I'm on today. I couldn't have scripted how I've gotten to this point. I've always tried to control you know, everything in my life. And, uh, you know, that was my first step down this journey to be open to uh, the fact that I really don't know shit, that um, when I'm left in control of my own life, that I don't make good choices and that I, uh, I really don't know it all. So it brought me to an awareness and uh, of 
working a program of recovery that honestly has saved my life. It has changed my outlook and my perception of, um, it's brought me back to reality, right? When I was drinking, I was so, I didn't know the, I didn't know the truth about anything. You know, I, um, I was a liar. I lied to myself. I lied to everybody else. You know, and um, sobriety and working a program has uh, allowed me to experience a level of serenity, personal growth, and awakening beyond my wildest dreams. Like I said, it's not easy. I'm not perfect. There's, but I'm able to just be grateful for this moment. Like I said, I, what I experienced, and like I said, as lonely as I was and as dark as it was for me, the end of my drinking days, um, kind of like Ashley said earlier, it's like, I don't regret it. All the shit that I did, all the people that I wronged, and it's really hard, I'm sure, for some to hear that I don't regret or that, that I don't regret going through what I did, but it's the honest to God truth because I never want to forget it. I, I, I don't ever want to go back. You know, and um, part of me being here today and speaking and taking ownership and what I did and what I went through hopefully keeps me sober and moving forward because I existed for 38 years of my life. In the last two and a half years, I live, I get to live today. I'm incredibly blessed in so many ways. You know, I feel today, I'm a human today. I would felt nothing but anger my whole life. And the fact that I can be kind and love people other than myself, it's what it's all about. I guess just, I'll end it with this and then I guess answer any questions, but like, I just want people to know that I felt alone. I felt like, you know, there was no coming back from the shame that I had caused myself and my family. And But there is a solution and you're not alone. And there are people out there that care. There are programs available, can do it. And there's such a large community of people who really do care about us. We just have to be willing. Um, I wasn't willing. So I, like I said, I spoke of that man who shared his truth 10 years ago. I never would have gotten sober and experienced the level of serenity I have today because I wasn't willing. I had to go through what I did to uh, reach a point to ask for help and truly change the way I acted and lived. But there are options. You're not alone. And um, this life is worth living. And I can tell you, this job isn't everything. I let it identify me for a long time. There's a lot of cool titles that tame the hot shop, you know, hell attack, hell attack, all this stuff. And it doesn't mean anything, right? Like it does. It's very cool. It's like I said, it's it's a it's a gift to get to do what we get to do and provide a service to the public. And that's a very honorable, noble thing. But there's more to life than this job as well. And uh, I'm able to see that today. Be a good dad. And like I said, you know spouse to you know a woman that challenges me daily to be better and you know it's just it's a gift so i do have one question because i think it's important when you decided that you were ready to get help how did you go about doing that well like i said my department does a very good job in my eyes of promoting the employee support services program and eap and um so i knew it was available right and like i said pride and ego wouldn't allow me to to call and ask for help i knew where to go and it was just <laughs> it's just so crazy it's so crazy that that's all it took you know that i for as many times as I woke up hungover, feeling like shit, living in complete remorse, knowing that I didn't like the man I was, ashamed of, you know, my decisions and my actions. I wake up in the morning and I swear off alcohol. I'm like, I'm never going to drink again. And by two o'clock, the hangover wears off. And by like in five o'clock, I'm drinking, you know, and it's just it's yeah, it's just nasty, this disease. And, and, and you know, I knew I needed help every day. And it was, it was a phone call away.
Well, you must have been at that point where you were ready to seek help too when your ex-wife called you out on your shit because you could have easily just blown that conversation off. For sure, you know, and like I said, I, I guess I've done a decent enough job burying myself, you know. Yeah, I was ready. I was ready, and that's what, like, I think, um, you know, I, I've experienced life today, you know, the way I have is because it's, like I said, I, I was very fortunate for as much as I relied on drinking, and I could never think about not having a drink. I couldn't, I couldn't imagine. Like when I first got sober, I was like, "What the fuck am I going to do on a Saturday night?" Like I could not fathom life without alcohol very early in sobriety like i I don't miss it there's nothing i miss about it it was lost its fun 15 years ago you know i've been a drunk for 15 years you know it's it's not fun i'm just a guy like i can't enjoy it i i'm not envious of people that can sit and enjoy drinks or a glass of wine like i just know that i can't like more power to you if you can control yourself that way it doesn't have any effect on you but that's not me yeah, I was very, very, very ready. 38 years is a long time to be a shell of a human and uh, to be unhappy with yourself. It said I've experienced more joy going through and experiencing life in two and a half years of sobriety than. Uh, well, I'll chime in. When I kind of hinted at that first time that we met three years ago, I wanted him to be able to say it before I did but I don't I don't know if we discussed it or I just innately and instinctually knew I knew that he was married and I knew that he was struggling with alcohol abuse it's not that he was behaving a certain way but I could just see it in his eyes that alcohol was a problem and when I met him for the second time a year ago, he was 10 months sober and him talking about AA and the program that he's been in and the level of dedication that he is walking in daily has been so inspiring for me to be able to uh, just just watch him thrive has been has been so wonderful he's essentially just like a walking example of what i stand for with the iverson foundation and how light can be found if you choose it right um there's a lot that comes with being a widow and especially being a significant other to a widow and and trust is one that is very it's really tainted right trust is, is is very hard to have as a widow regardless of your past like the main thing is like all right well when are you gonna die on me so you know so to throw in that aspect of alcoholism into our relationship again is not something that i would choose right but the level of commitment that he shows to his growth is exactly like i said exactly what i stand for and so it's I'm just awe inspired every day. Like ju- just him having the ability to to speak with you gals and and share his truth. I don't think is a very easy thing for him to do. But he, in my in my judgment, in my in my assumption, he is here today in in order to provide hope and and just want to shed light to to those out there that are struggling. And I'm so grateful to have him as a partner. I'm so proud of him. I'm so proud of you. I am. Like I said, I'm living my best life with sincere gratitude for my, for today. You know, today is all that I'm granted. This moment's all that's guaranteed. And yeah, 
to. There is a solution, right? There is a way and there is such a better way to live. And I hope that, you know, like I said, it's I have a hard time talking about all that negative stuff. You know, I don't want that to be the focus because like ultimately the, this should be a story of, you know, hope. Best way I can describe it is it's a way of living, right? Like I, I existed for, you know, 38 years, you know, and this this is this is it, man. You know, and I'm just grateful. Grateful for this opportunity. Somebody out there is listening and, you know, these words can, you know, shed some light on, you know, a dark situation for somebody. You know, it makes it all worth it. And that's kind of, I knew really early on, like, everything that I had gone through. I didn't know I'd be here today talking to you. I didn't know I'd be dating Ashley Iverson. I didn't know any of that. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I, uh, I knew early on that if I felt a purpose, I guess, in knowing that our community of, I can only speak, you know, first responders, but I know, you know, there's a lot of us that are going through a lot of shit. I'm not the only one, you know, I know that. And um, I, I knew early that if I could get my shit together and come with, you know, sharing my experience, that that makes it all worth it going through what I did. If I can help just one individual keep from burning, you know, either drinking themselves to death or pissing their families away, losing their jobs, it makes it all worth it. Both of us have been given a second chance at life and at love. And, and um, it's really special to, to share a partnership. We're very aware of that, right? And so every single moment, we are so grateful to be able to experience this together, even when we've got outside noise and rumors and and, you know, past coming to attack us, to be able to talk through it and be grateful for it, right? Because it's something's happening for a reason. You know, I've said to him quite a few times, like, love is absolutely the greatest gift in this world. However, it can equally cause the greatest pain. So it's just a matter of being willing. Are you are you going to allow yourself that potential to experience the most profound experience ever, which is love, with the knowing that it can also cause the worst pain you've ever experienced and and like i've shared many times before i would say yes to marrying Corey, absolutely a hundred times over if i knew what i was going to go through because now it's like even even before phil came into my life but being able to share love not once but twice and and on this this level of friendship and companionship and actually feel like I, I it, it's it's hard to to say right because I don't want anyone to to misinterpret what I'm saying but I didn't like living even when I was married to Corey I was I, I was you know I've said it before but a lot like Phil we understand each other in the aspect that I was never enough there was nothing that I could do to produce enough to be enough and by losing Corey, it's given me an awareness that nothing that I do is going to affect my value. I am of value no matter what. And so I live every day in gratitude that I get to experience this life. And I live it in a way that I, I, I try to do the, the best that I can to, to respect others and to love others the best that I can. 
you can let fear drive everything and you can you can experience nothing or you can allow love in and you can experience everything. We're going to leave it on that beautiful note that Ashley just gave us. And we want to thank you for joining us for this episode of Dear Cheese Podcast. We were honored to have Ashley Iverson and Phil join us to share Phil's story of hope and recovery and the importance of mental health and emotional health for firefighters and their families. We learned a lot from Ashley and Phil today and we're grateful for their openness and honesty. Thank you again, Ashley and Phil, for joining us. If our listeners are interested in learning more about you or talking to you about your journey, is there a way that they can contact you? Um, I'm not on social. Yeah, I guess email. We post that or whatever on the website or I don't know how that works. I'm going to filter that through us. So if somebody wants to get a hold of Phil, they can email hello at dearchiefs.com or reach us in DMs via Instagram and we will get you in touch with him. I Well, if you've enjoyed the episode, take a moment to rate it and review us on Apple Podcasts and anywhere you listen. The ratings and reviews help us to reach new listeners and continue to find awesome guests like Ashley and Phil. We love you guys for hanging out with us. We know it's late, probably everybody's bedtime, but we're very happy to have you guys here. Thanks so much for tuning in. Find us on social media at Dear Chiefs Podcast and online at DearChiefs.com. Tune in weekly for the 25,000 foot view of loving a first responder. Audra and Chelsea, over and out. (laughs) 